Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. So that moment we've kind of, you know, said before and we ended up being wrong about is uh, finally here. The Blackhawks playoff chances. Yes. The Blackhawks playoff chances are over. And uh, this was a big week and it did not go well for the Blackhawks. So uh, we're going to do a little recap of the games. I'm going to start with Michael because I will confess I missed part of the Saturday Blackhawks game. So I'll let him do the first two games. So, Michael. Okay, yeah. So before we get to the Saturday, we actually got to kick off with the Thursday night game from last week against the Flyers. That was a tough one for the Hawks. They were coming off an OT loss to the Canucks a couple of days earlier. That was a uh, you know a game that they really wanted to get two points out of. And so they were going up against a Flyers team that not a great team in a very similar um, position to the Blackhawks where they were in the Eastern Conference where they're trying to climb back into it. And the Blackhawks had them at home, but they just they got beat by a hot goalie. The Blackhawks actually played a fairly decent game. Uh, they heavily outshot the Flyers and they they did end up getting taking an early lead uh, halfway through the first period. Eric Gustafson scored his fifteenth goal of the year, but uh, beyond that point, uh, it was just it was really a Carter Hart show. I kind of got to apologize. Last week, I was really off my game when I did the previews. I had mentioned that the Flyers uh, were. Uh, struggling in net and I was just kind of getting last year and this year confused because Carter Hart has come up uh, he's one of the better young goalies in the uh coming into the year was one of the better goalie prospects in the league and he's come up and he's really uh stabilized things in net for the Flyers this year and yeah I will add though yeah. they did say that he had a couple games where he did give up a lot of goals so yeah yeah I mean perfect, but no, no. I mean, you know, we, we saw the same thing with Colin Delia this year uh, where, you know, you're, you're going to get a few really bad games mixed in with the good ones uh, with any young goalie and Hart's even a little younger than Delia. So, you know, it's certainly not been a perfect season for him, but, uh, you know, I think Blackhawks saw the uh, Blackhawks fans and uh, saw in this game just how good Hart can be at times because the, the Blackhawks really did pepper him. Uh, throughout the entirety of the game and he just he was really strong in net uh, like I said the 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 Hawks outshot the Flyers uh, let's see I pulled it up here 41 to 28 but after that first goal Flyers scored three unanswered a couple of uh, goals in the third period that uh, allowed them to um, you know pull out ahead James Van Riemsdyk who always seems to be a bit of a thorn in the, the Blackhawks side scored to make it two to one about halfway through the third. And then the Hawks were trying to mount a, you know, a late rally with the uh, goalie pulled, uh, but Sean Couturier ended up scoring an empty netter to put the game away. And that really set the Blackhawks back heading into the weekend. Um, had they won this game, they probably could have afforded dropping maybe one to the avalanche uh but they they went in with both of those games becoming must must wins they 
they had to get all four points and they had it into that Thursday or it's coming out of the Thursday game and into that Saturday game. And it was a very similar situation where the Blackhawks, I thought played a, a pretty good game. Most of it, I'd say they even outplayed the avalanche, but um, Philip Grubauer uh, just, he outplayed uh, Corey Crawford. Uh, Grubauer was really good in the game. And uh, the the Avalanche got uh, some timely goal scoring. J.D. Kompfer and Sven Andragato, uh, Andragato were really big uh, components in the game for them. They just, they, they seemed to be coming up big. At any time the Blackhawks would uh, kind of get anything going, um, those two guys and uh, Nathan McKinnon also showed up quite a bit, even though I, I don't think he actually scored in this game or even recorded a point, but it, he's a guy that can really change the momentum for a team too. Just because of his speed, he was creating a lot of chances and um, you know, anytime it seemed like the Blackhawks would get something established where they would uh, control the puck in the avalanche zone, all of a sudden there'd be a, two on one or a, a breakaway back the other way. And so, yeah, um, it was tied uh, early in the second uh, Taves had scored his 32nd to uh, tie the game at one. Uh, but then uh, Colin Wilson and Sven Andrigetto scored uh, late in the second and then early in the third to extend the avalanche lead to three to one Gustafson came up with another big goal. Uh, he's been continuing to contribute on the offensive end. And in my opinion, he's been tightening up in the defensive end as well. Um, he's, he's really been playing pretty well lately and he scored his 16th midway through the third to make it a one goal game. And you thought, Oh, well maybe the Blackhawks, you know, that that might, uh, open the floodgates a little bit against Grubauer, but, and then once again, you know, an empty netter at the end of the game, put it away for the opposition. Really this, this was the game that kind of ended the Blackhawks chances. Uh, They didn't admit that after the game, they, they did still feel like they had a chance uh, coming back home because this game was in Colorado on Saturday and then they got to come back home and go to uh, get back into the UC and play the, the avalanche and, you know, a, a back-to-back games. But they, they, especially after that Philly game, like I said, they, they really needed to come out of the, the, the weekend series against the avalanche with all four points. Uh, Cause the, the avalanche are, were, you know, are really the competition that the Blackhawks are needed to catch and letting any of those points slip away. Um, you know, and then especially losing in regulation, uh, it, it ended their chances right there. Um, but I guess, you know, again, they showed a little bit of character and uh, I'll hand it off to you for the Sunday game. But, uh, you know, they again, they did. They, the Hawks didn't quit. But, you know, the Sunday victory was a little too little too late as far as I was concerned. But I'll let you kind of talk that one out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a- after that, those two losses, they uh, came back home. Uh, Sunday night to play the Avalanche and uh, Grubauer started again. Yeah, we kind of, I didn't realize that the Avalanche were such a team that went with a hot hand with goalies, but apparently Grubauer has been very good lately and he started yeah. back to back games. They were, 
they've been kind of alternating the guys. And I think both of them had had kind of injury trouble uh, in the preview last week. I did. Yeah. I, I had mentioned Varlamov cause he's a guy who um, has stolen some games against the Blackhawks in the past. So I was expecting both of them to play. I, I, I wasn't expecting Grubauer in back-to-back games, but um, you know, I, they mentioned it on the broadcast of just how good he's been of late. So I guess it shouldn't have come as a surprise, especially since Varlamov had been struggling. So, and clearly, like you said, the Blackhawks had, you know, they're in really tough shape there. They, but clearly they still were going for it because they started Corey Crawford at second mm-hmm. day in a row, which was kind of shocking. But anyway, um, the avalanche scored on a five on three to take a lead after a pretty, uh, quiet start to the game. I mean, goal wise, but they got a five on three second game in a row. The Blackhawks came up a five on three, which is not, not a good thing to do, but uh, Tyson Berry uh, scored a goal for the avalanche. So the Blackhawks did though fight back and tie it. Uh, Artem Anisimov tipped in a shot, but Grubauer was unbelievable in this game as well. I mean, the Blackhawks had tons of great chances and he just pretty much stopped everything. Uh, you really got the feeling that if they had any chance left, they really had to win this in regulation. And unfortunately they could not win it in regulation. Although I will say pretty much the, I think might be a candidate for play of the year in overtime. Um, Duncan Keith made a great drive to the net, uh, blew around the guy, drove right to the net, crashed into Grubauer and scored uh, the overtime winning goal. So, you know, I guess you could say the Blackhawks playoff chances were hanging by the thinnest of threads after that win. Because I mean, again, the avalanche got a point. So it was like only gaining a point. It just, it didn't seem good, but some cockeyed optimists would still say they had a sliver of a chance to make the playoffs. So that brought us to Tuesday night uh, in Arizona against the coyotes. And I don't know, there's no better way to describe this game. It sucked. It was so boring. It You felt like you're watching the 1995 Devils in action. Pretty much nothing happened for either team most of the game. Am I, am I wrong to say that? Or it was No, it was not an exciting game. And the Coyotes are, n- are not a high-scoring team. Um, I think they even brought it up on the broadcast where their leading go- um, point scorer would be sixth on the Blackhawks. That, that's how much they've kind of struggled to both stay healthy and get consistent offensive production out of their top guys. They just, they've been very reliant on, on defense and goaltending this year and it paid off for them in this game. But yeah, they're not a fun team to watch. Yeah. So base, both teams pretty much did not much. And, you know, the Coyotes defense, which when the Blackhawks played them the last time was, uh, you know, gone. And you're like, well, they are, maybe they're not that good at defense, but you saw in this game, what the defense was, it has kept them in the race. And it was pretty much, you were waiting for like one mistake. And it basically came down to both teams had a power play in the game. The Blackhawks didn't score in their power play. And, uh, the Coyotes did, uh, cousins, I believe for the Coyotes got a, got a chance in front of the net on the power play and got it through Crawford. And after that, the uh, Coyotes just locked it down. They completely clamped down and the Blackhawks could not score. And 
it ended up one nothing, and I think everyone agreed after that it was playoff chances or kaput. And it was, you know, if we're just thinking about what happened at the end here, it was just, you know, we talked about their top line scores and stuff needed to score, and they all just went cold, and they, it was just like, the, the, what was it, a total of what? Um, doing the math in my head, five goals over the stretch, or no, six goals. Over yeah, four it wasn't games. much. And it's just, then oh, almost all the goals, I'm trying to think here, yeah, almost all the goals were scored by defensemen. I think one was scored by a forward, but it's, yeah. It, yeah, it, I, I think we saw the accumulation of all the minutes that, like, Patrick Kane had been playing over the previous couple of months because his, not just his goal scoring, but he just wasn't carrying plays the way we were used to seeing. He wasn't, you know, the, he just didn't have the puck as much. And when he did, you know, he'd fumble it a little bit more often or he'd get trapped in corners a little bit more often. And it, it, it just wasn't quite as dynamic. And, you know, I'm not sure that we can say that Debrinket really got tired so much as he's just always been a kind of a streaky scorer. And this was the month where it dried up a little bit for him. But yeah, like you said, the defenseman continued to play well. Um, I had mentioned Gustafson. He, he's been a consistent play driver, you know, really since uh, Colleton took over and kind of has given him a bigger role. And I thought Gustafson in a couple of games was the best player that the black, well, I shouldn't say the best player. He had the best performances. I mean, obviously Patrick Kane and, you know, a few guys are certainly better, but he, he, he came to play in all of these important games. And I, I thought he acquitted himself quite well. I mean, yeah, there was still a couple of bad turnovers, but I thought he made a lot of good defensive plays as well. And I did, I did see a couple of stats where he, the, the ice was definitely slanted in the Blackhawks' favor when him and Keith were out on the ice. I think over um, the last several games, it was um, you know almost like a three to one shot advantage uh, when Keith and Gustafson were out there. So I, I thought that that tandem played well, and you know you can you can see from the the, the scores. Uh, you know, the, the Hawks were struggling to generate opportunities, but they weren't giving up, uh, you know, nearly as many goals. And, you know, all these games were tight, even though a couple of them did end up being, you know, two goal deficits, but, you know, that was because of empty netters. So I, I thought they, they, they made a good effort in all of them, but I, I just think that they had tried to, they needed to make up so much ground over the previous couple of months. Cause you know, cause they had dug themselves such a big hole, but I mean, yeah, I they, we, they should, ran we should remind people that um, this is a team that at one point lost 18 of 21 games. Right. And, I mean, we were burying them in early January where, you know, I think it was where we just was like, yeah, they, they have no chance unless they go on like a 10 game winning streak and, you know, sure enough, they went on like a 10 game winning streak and got themselves back into it. But back then we really didn't think that that was going to be possible. Yeah. And if you think about it too, it's just, if they had played the last two months of the year, the whole year like that, they would have made the playoffs easily. 
but it was just that hole in the middle of the year was so deep that the energy to even get back in the race was just so much that I just they ran out of gas. I, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. Now some people, would, yeah, some people would also argue maybe that when they were playing against good like playoff caliber teams that they had to beat, they just weren't good enough to beat them. And I mean, part of that is true too. But I just think they used up a lot of gas. Yeah, no, I I I think both things are true. I mean, you know, even when the Blackhawks were winning a lot of games, they weren't often beating the top end teams. Uh, you know, I, we did pull off the one victory against like the Maple Leafs, but we also saw in that game where, you know, the Maple Leafs played like garbage for two periods and then all of a sudden woke up and we saw what the Maple Leafs were capable of doing against a team like the Blackhawks. And they almost came back and won that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody was under the illusion that the Hawks were actual contenders, even when they were ripping off, you know, the long winning streaks in that as they got back into the playoff race. But there, there was still a troubling tendency uh, to kind of play down to their competition at times too, because we did lose a number of games against um, bottom dwellers too uh, during that streak. I mean, we dropped the one game to the Kings uh, just even last week, that that game against the Canucks, that was a game that, you know, the, and the Flyers too, you know, those were games that the Hawks, you know, entered favored in. Um, those were games that, you know, the Hawks should win the majority of the time. And, you know, with their backs against the walls and needing all of these points, they were so important. And, you know, it just, it didn't happen, even though, you know, on a, in a couple of them, I, I did feel like the Hawks kind of outplayed the competition. But, you know, they definitely ran into hot goaltenders this week, which didn't help them. I mean, Hart and Grubauer really played their butts off and the, the Hawks just couldn't crack them. And there is one thing, though, I think that is very important for next year that I think we can feel very good about. And that's Corey Crawford looked very good in these games. It was nice. He's playing about as good as he's played since his original concussion last year. So that was very good to see. Yeah. He definitely in this recent stretch has, you know, kind of looked like the old Corey Crawford. So yeah, you just kind of hope uh, that he can, stay healthy and avoid taking any more shots to the head. And I think the Blackhawks have to feel pretty decent about uh, their goaltending situation heading into next year where they can uh, bring Crawford and Delia together as a a tandem and just see how that goes. Um, I do expect they'll, you know, they'll, there will probably be some competition for Delia in training camp. I don't know. Um, if Forsberg will still factor in, he's going to be waiver exempt. And I think he's a restricted free agent over the off season. So I'm really kind of interested to see how, what they do with him. Um, but yeah, I, I think they've shown that they're, they're going to be in pretty good shape with their goaltending. They got to feel pretty good about a lot of their top nine, I think is in, is in decent shape. Uh, there's still at least one forward short, but that that's something that they can resolve fairly easily. I think over the off season, if 
you know, depending on how free agency and the draft play out, I'm less concerned there, but you know, obviously they still got that puzzle that they got to figure out on, in, on the back end where they have so many guys under contract and um, you know, obviously not enough proven top four guys. So I, you know, it, they got a lot of work to do to, to, to figure it out, but I, they've definitely shown enough over the last couple of months where they're not quite as far away. The rebuild may not take quite as long as we had maybe originally thought. We're looking at it halfway through the year. You know, Keith showed a little bit more this year than I thought he did last year. So, you know, you got to feel like there's maybe still enough left in the tank there where he can continue to contribute for another couple of years. Taves obviously rebounded big time this year at his best season in a long time. And Debrinkit showed he wasn't a fluke. Dylan Strom came over and obviously, you know, played a big role in the resurgence, gave them a, a more consistent offensive producer than what they'd been getting out of Nick Schmaltz. So there's definite building blocks in place and it's just going to be a matter of can they figure it out this off season on how to supplement these guys or, you know, to at least get back into the playoff competition. I, I don't, I don't think they can do enough in this one off season where, you know, they can enter next season with, as a legitimate cup contender. But if they end up making a couple of, you know, good moves and, you know, it kind of puts them in that four to eight range in the Western conference, you know, maybe outside chance at competing for the division. I, I, I doubt that, but it, you know, at least a wild card team, then, uh, you know, depending on how things go, they could even look at, you know, deciding whether or not they'd want to, uh, you know, maybe make some trades at the, the trade deadline next year to supplement the team and maybe go for it one more time with, you know, Taves and Kane still playing at, you know, a relatively high level or, yeah. you know, if it, or if it, if this offseason doesn't go well, then you're probably looking at a little longer rebuild and, you know, which would be fine too. But, you know, I, I think there's at least a glimmer of hope that they could maybe, quicken the pace of the rebuild so yeah if they if they went out and got like a established score or whatever to put in their forward group or something yeah and uh, you know and a top four defenseman so now yeah. i will there was a little bit of news today um i don't know if you saw uh that they signed dahlstrom to a two-year extension so yeah i mean he, he was one of the three restricted free agent defensemen we've kind of talked about it a on and off over the last month or two where it was Dahlstrom, Forsling, and Cuckoo are kind of the three guys that have been rotating through two spots. They're all probably, at best, third-pairing guys. And it's unlikely that all three of them will be on the roster next year. Um, but I do expect them to re-sign all three of them and then you know, likely trade one or maybe two of them. And I wouldn't expect a large haul for them, but I don't expect that the Hawks will just let any any of the three of them just walk away in restricted free agency. None of their contracts will be, um, 
you know, so excessive that they, they couldn't bury them in the minors. I mean, that's, that's the thing with Dahlstrom's deal. I mean, yeah, they signed him for two years, but uh, the cap hit was only 850 K in each year. So it's, yeah, so that's basically if it doesn't work out, you just yeah, you send it to the minors and there's absolutely no cap ramifications whatsoever. And uh, of the three of them, um, I don't uh, Forsling may still have a little bit of time, but Dahlstrom does still have like 30 games of waiver exemption. So they can bring him into camp next year. And if he doesn't make the team, they can still send him to Rockford without having to send uh, put him through waivers to get him there. So um, that that does provide the Hawks with some value there where, you know, he can come in, compete for the third pairing or the seventh defenseman role. And if he doesn't make it, they don't have to worry about losing him where, whereas Cuckoo is not in that situation. Cuckoo has to make the team or they'll probably lose him on waivers. Um, that was the situation. That's the reason why we actually got the black, uh, got him on the Blackhawks was um, Tampa Bay, uh, had to bring him off of in, uh, injured reserve and they didn't, they already had seven defensemen that they felt more comfortable with. So yeah. And about 180 points or whatever. Ridiculous. Yeah. 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 So they were, they were going to, they knew they were going to have to send him down to the minors, but they'd have to get him through waivers and they knew they wouldn't get him through waivers. So, you know, they decided to trade him. So, He'll be in a similar situation. That's why I think if they do end up re-signing all three and none of the no trades happen over the offseason, Cuckoo might have a slight advantage at going for like the seventh defenseman spot. But yeah, uh, you know, it's that's gonna be the big puzzle. They've got so many defensemen under contract. They actually signed one of their prospects this earlier this week to Chad Chris, who is a second round pick a couple of years ago. Um, you know, another puck moving offensive defenseman who's been playing at Boston college for a couple of years, good, good skater. And so, you know, I think that gives them, I want to say they've got eight or nine guys under contract in Rockford and we've got the seven guys up here. So they just, they've got so many defensemen and I really thought they were going to make some trades over last off season to kind of lighten that load. And they never did. Now we've got even more defensemen coming in, so they really do have to move a couple of these guys because they just they don't have room for them. So, and yeah. I don't know what you know what they can get for all of them, or what you know who who are the the young guys that they feel the best about. But there's definitely has to be some movement there this this off season. Yeah, and you know that's kind of I mean this is the Blackhawks podcast, but. If anyone has not looked at looked up the standings and looked at the Lightning's record lately, wow, it is crazy yeah. how many games yeah. it won. Yeah, it, it they are certainly making the case for one of the best regular seasons of all time. Um, it's no joke what they are doing. It it is seriously seriously impressive, and you know, especially in a salary cap era like this. Um. You know, they do have a couple of guys um, coming up for contract extensions this year where their cap hit is going to jump up, but they've done a really good job of of getting everybody to agree to below market deals. So they, you know, they, they've kept a pretty good core together and, 
even though they will have to move some pieces this offseason to make it work, none of the contracts they've given out of are so onerous that they won't be able to move them. So yeah, they're going to be able to keep it together here for a while. And that's, yeah, it, yeah, that's it was kind of funny when the Blackhawks beat them in um, 2015. There's like, you watch that team play and you thought to your head, there's no way that this team doesn't win a Stanley cup at some point. And this year they're just loaded. So you think this has got to be, but hockey playoffs are so unpredictable that, I mean, you could see them getting beat by the hurricanes or Canadians in the first round. I mean, that's how weird hockey playoffs can be. Yeah. Um, that, that, that 2015 team that played against the Hawks, I think if both teams had been completely healthy, I think the lightning probably win that series. Um, but you got down to the, you know, the, the end there and, you know, we, the, the, the hockey playoffs, you know, called the second season or whatever. And it's such a grind and the, the lightning were, were hurting a little bit in that series. And the same thing with the Hawks. I mean, you know, we, we saw how much of a warrior Duncan Keith was and, you know, the Hawks were obviously relying on just four defensemen in those playoffs or in the Stanley cup anyway. I mean, that was, you know, we were trying to hide, um, teaming in and uh, what's his name that we got from the coyotes. I already blocked him out of my memory. Not Roosevelt or no, not Roosevelt. It was, uh, uh, the, the, I, I can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, uh, me either. Yeah, number five, uh, the, the the guy that had been traded multiple times for good players. He was involved in the tourist trade. He was involved in the Tarasenko pick. Okay, now I've got to. Yeah, I, we'll I don't know. We'll I get into our, um, um, but, we can do a little the preview coming up. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. will. I will look up real quick. Um, yeah. I definitely blocked his name out of my, cause he was terrible. Yeah, but, I mean, they were, they resorted to using him in that Stanley cup series when they, he had barely played for them for, you know, a couple of months prior to that. And they were trying to use Kyle Comiskey. Oh, that was, yeah. but yeah, I mean the Hawks, I, you know, their experience, I think ended up paying off in that one where, you know, Keith and a couple of guys just basically willed them into winning that series. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, coming up uh, this week, uh, obviously we really don't have anything of it, no games of meaning, but it's a you know a f- still a fairly heavy schedule. Uh, they're going to play San Jose tomorrow night, uh, continuing on their West Coast road sh- swing, where they had played in Arizona last night. San Jose tomorrow night. Uh, that'll so that's going you know it's going to be a late start. Uh, 9.30 time, I think, actually, Central. Uh, the Sharks are, you know, a, a, one of the better teams in the West, and I'm wondering if the Hawks will start trying out, of, you know, some new lineups or whatever, maybe getting a couple of the younger guys involved a little bit more. Um, I would like to see maybe Dylan Sakura get put on the first power play unit just for to try and see if he can get his first goal, give him a little bit of confidence because he has been playing well. Um, but he just he, he hasn't been able to to break the ice there with that first goal. So uh, that would be something that I would hope that they might explore. But so, yeah, so the Sharks tomorrow night, 
then just one day off on Friday, uh, stay on the West Coast. Saturday night, they're going to play the Kings again at 930. Uh, Kings are uh, an atrocious team, but they did manage to beat the Blackhawks a couple of weeks back. And then, again, just one day off on Sunday before they come back home where they will face off against Winnipeg, who's one of the better teams. And that'll kick off a string of games in the final week um, of the season where uh, they face the top four teams in the Central Division, starting with Winnipeg on Monday. Uh, that'll be a 7.30 start, uh, like I said, against uh, back in the UC. So I don't, I don't know that we really need to break down the opposition too much at this point, given uh, um, none of the games are particularly meaningful. But Yep, it's just, uh, just playing out the string now and giving some young guys more of a shot. Yep. All right, so I found the answer to your question because I, too, had blocked this out. David Rundblad is your Swedish defenseman. So, yeah, that's right. He, uh, uh, I even had responded to a tweet about him not even very long ago, and I just, oh, yeah, he was. He yeah, was I completely so blocked it out too. I, I did so not bad. Once I saw the name, I was like, of course. But yeah, yeah, he was he was very bad. That was that was not a good trade by the Blackhawks. I mean, second round picks aren't exactly, you know, a huge commodity in the NHL, but. You know, Ron Blatt was a guy who'd already been traded a couple of times, and I honestly don't know what Bowman ever saw in him because he could not skate at the NHL level. The only thing he had was a really good shot, um, but that was that was all he had. I will say that the the new, the latest number five defenseman that they got from the Coyotes is much better. So. Yeah, Murphy's been playing pretty darn well this year. He uh, he's definitely made a difference after he missed the first 30 games of the year. Seems to have settled in quite nicely. Uh, they've been using him in a shutdown role. I don't know that he's quite as effective in that role as the guy he was traded for, but um, he's certainly younger with a you know a little more cost certainty longer term contract um so it it'll be important for him to have a good off season and not have to deal with the the back injury you know hopefully he can come into camp next year and maybe even take another step forward and that would be a big boon to the hawks if they got if murphy could really solidify himself as a you know a reliable top 4 defenseman that can function in a shutdown role, even if he's not necessarily the best, you know, player on that pairing. Um, but that'll be a big thing. I think is finding a consistent partner for him. And I don't, I, I don't think he had very good chemistry with either Duncan Keith or Eric Gustafson, who those two appear to be the, the you know, the other two guys that are expected to return in a top four role. Um, and at least at this point, I, I, I think the plan would be for those two to continue to play together. And then I just, I, I don't know who they're going to end up playing with Murphy because Forsling hasn't played well there. Dahlstrom has played well on occasion with him, but he's also not played well on occasion. Um, you know, Yoki Haru would be, you know, the guy that you would hope could step in into a top four role, but 
both him and Murphy are right-handed shots and probably play best on the right side. It's just that that whole thing is a jigsaw puzzle that I, I just, I really don't know how they're going to figure it out, but I guess we'll find out up ahead. Yep. Right. And uh, you know, we're going to do, we'll be back next week, of course. And then mm-hmm. one more after that to wrap up the year. And then we'll probably uh, tone it do down it. over the summer. We'll do like a draft episode, yeah, yeah. probably a free agent one, but we might not do a weekly show yeah, during yeah. the summer. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, well, as always, I am STH85 on Twitter. Yeah, Michael is? MJ underscore Ernst. Yep, and coming up, you will see a lot of baseball content on our Twitter accounts because the baseball season is starting, but whenever there's Blackhawks news, we'll tweet about that too. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always warn the people who follow me for the Cubs stuff that when the Blackhawks – are in season it's probably 50 50 cubs blackhawks stuff for me and at this point it's probably gonna probably switch to like 90 percent cubs stuff and 10 percent hawks but there'll still be some stuff out there yep and you can uh subscribe to the podcast on itunes and until next week as always thank you for listening everyone